Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Morning and welcome this morning. Family, family day weekend here in Canada. Something we look forward to having a little bit of a holiday tomorrow and finding different activities to do as a family other than being out in the snow, right? <laughs> We're lacking a little bit of snow in this part of our country, but that's okay. There's, there's many people that are glad for that. Yeah, yeah. There's many people that are glad there's no snow. But I'm excited to be with you this morning and bringing another one of our messages in our Joseph series. And uh, I haven't spoken for a few weeks. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's um, been since early January, so I'm a bit nervous up here this morning. Will you be gentle with me? Oh, okay. Will you be responsive to, to, to encourage me? Okay, good, good. All right. Now I'm feeling better already. Uh, as we come this morning, though, I don't want your focus to be on me. I'm going to actually ask you, as we've been doing this study in the book of, jo- the book of Joseph, the book of Genesis, I think somebody else said that too, as we've been studying in the book of Genesis about the story of Joseph, where has your focus been? What has been stirring within you? What, what element of Joseph's life has just kind of leapt out of history toward you and caused you to go, hmm, i got to think about that a little deeper. There's been many different and awesome aspects of Joseph's life already presented before us. And I've been encouraged about them because what we've been doing is taking time to look at Joseph and seeing how his story helps unfold the gospel. The gospel being the good news about Jesus. We can actually see the good news about Jesus in the life of Joseph. That's been part of our purpose of walking this out. And, and maybe you've been, you've been zeroing in on how, what was God thinking when he gave a young man, a teenager, these incredible dreams that this teenager wasn't ready, wasn't mature enough, didn't have the character enough to, to handle those dreams. What was God thinking? Has that been your focus? Well, God did that in other times in history and it worked out okay. So don't blame it on God, all right? Maybe you were thinking about when Pastor Heidi brought the message about Joseph in the pit. And I'm glad she didn't give us the five steps how to get out of a pit. That wasn't her message, was it? She opened her eyes to look at the brothers around and their attitudes and how they showed up at that scene. Then Nick brought us a message about how Joseph, God landed Joseph with a really cool job in Potiphar's house. But that eventually led to prison, <laughs> And remember God, talk, uh, God talking, God talking through Nick, and Nick was sharing that, um, that Joseph was faithful and he ended up in prison. That and word was a big part of Nick's message that week. And our summary easily could be what Pastor Nathan highlighted for us last Sunday, talking about demotions, delays, and detours. And how really that just summarizes Joseph's life. And maybe you feel like, hey, that describes my life right now. If it does, then keep leaning in to the gospel unfolded through the story of Joseph's life. Nick has also primed us with a chapter that we skipped over, chapter 38. 
And Nick said, hey, we're going to come back to this, and, and I feel like I need to prime you as parents. It's a bit of a spicy chapter, parents. Um, parents of impact students um, who are going to be in the room. So if you don't know Genesis 38, you should go back and read it. If you haven't had to talk about the birds and bees, you should get ready. Um, there's some weird stuff that happens in chapter 38, and it's in the Bible. And so, um, yeah, let's do some parental guidance as we get ready for that chapter in a future week, um, because I know our youth pastor's bringing it, so it should be fine, right? We've got no worries that the youth pastor's going to speak on it. Pray for him. <clears throat> but today... Yeah, we left that chapter. I'm not touching it. Today we're going to chapter 41. Come to chapter 41 with me, because Nathan brought us up to the end of chapter 40. And we're going to look at Joseph's first experiences in the palace. That's what we're going to talk a bit about this morning. Chapter 40 ends with the chief cupbearer. Do you remember Nathan talking about the chief cupbearer and his dream and the baker's dreams last week? The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot about him in the prison. And chapter 41 begins with, When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. That's the setting of where we're at in the story of Joseph this morning. Joseph was left in prison, an Egyptian prison, a foreign land that he was in. He was left there for two years. Years forgotten is what we read here. And I don't think we could totally blame the cupbearer. If if you were tracking the, the story of Joseph and last week, you know that the cupbearer had a dream. Joseph interpreted the dream and said, You will be lifted out of prison and you will be positioned back in the palace, and you will be the drink taster for the king once again. And that dream was fulfilled. The cupbearer was restored to his position. And yet, I don't think we can blame, totally blame the cupbearer for forgetting because that's, that's a traumatic experience. He had messed up before, so he's like, I'm not messing up in my job again. I'm, I'm going to do what's right before my boss. And so his boss, being Pharaoh, and so there was probably some nervousness, and he forgot all about Joseph. Until we enter into chapter 41, and we see now that Pharaoh, the king of all of the land of Egypt the largest land at the time that he was ruling, had two vivid dreams. Two dreams that troubled him, that that caused him to wake up right after them. Have you ever had these kind of dreams before? They woke him up, and, and he was so troubled that he called on the magicians of the land and the wisest men that he could find in Egypt, and he said, you need to interpret this dream for me because I need to know what's going on. But none of them could do it. I said just a moment ago, have you ever had vivid dreams that have woken you up? (laughs) That woken you up and said, what was that about? What was going on? I know I have. I had had two dreams this week that stirred me. They weren't quite as vivid as Pharaoh's and didn't have quite the seven-year, 14-year experience here that we're about to look at. But they impressed something on me for how to show up in my day. God still speaks through dreams, church. Do you believe that? God still speaks through dreams today. But the cupbearer was reminded of his sins, his faults, his shortcomings, 
when Pharaoh said, I've had a dream and I need an interpreter. And the cupbearer was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> Joseph, I forgot about the buddy who interpreted my dream. And so the cupbearer told Pharaoh this. He came to Pharaoh and he, and he said to him, I had a dream as well. And there was a young Hebrew who interpreted that dream. And I think you should call on him as well. And so Pharaoh sent for Joseph. And he said, go get this servant to the captain of the guard in prison and bring him to me. If he interpreted dreams, maybe he can help me with my sleeplessness of what's gone on. Chapter 41, <clears throat> verse 15, Pharaoh says to Joseph, I had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I've heard said about you that you can, you can hear a dream and you can interpret it. Listen to Joseph's response, verse 16. Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it has nothing to do with me. God will give Pharaoh an answer for his own good. I love that response from Joseph. That speaks to us a little bit about Joseph's posturing, his character, where his heart and mind were at. Because Joseph didn't show up saying, oh yeah, I'm your guy. <laughs> you know, I'm two for two in the prison. Surely I can interpret this one for you as well. That's not how Joseph showed up. He could have, because he could have used this opportunity of, hey, this is going to be my get-out-of-jail-free card. Anybody play Monopoly and hang on to that card? Joseph could have looked at this opportunity as, this is going to be my ticket to get out of prison. But he didn't. He came and he honestly admitted, it's not about me. But God will give you the interpretation of your dream. And for those of you who have read this story of Joseph before, you know that Pharaoh's two dreams both told the same thing. They both communicated the significance of, of something that God wanted the people to know at that time. The first dream involved some fat, sleek cows. Have you ever seen a fat, sleek cow? I was like, sleek? Isn't that like streamlined? Like, how do you have fat and sleek? So I look up the word, and it's actually inferring fat and handsome cows. So I had to look up the interpretation of handsome, and you know what it means? Getting ready to become steak. That's what a good-looking cow looks like. So Joseph said he had, he had a dream of seven fat, almost steak-like cows coming out of the Nile. And, and he said... But then there were seven ugly, scrawny and ugly. Have you ever seen an ugly cow? He says, I've never seen such ugly cows in all of Egypt. <laughs> there must be ugly cows out there. I, I, I will take it for granted. But the ugly, in the dream, the ugly cows ate up the, the fat cows, and they weren't steak yet. This, this was what, like, what's going on? Then his second dream... Seven heads of grain that were full and good, that were just ripe and ready to be harvested. They grew up on a line. And then there were seven other heads that were thin and scorched by the east wind. And the seven thin scorched um, grain came and ate up the seven that were full and good. And so Pharaoh's like, what is going on? <clears throat> Pharaoh said, I told all my magicians this, and they could not explain it to me. And it's kind of comical when you think about, he's bringing it to magicians, and what are they going to do, like abracadabra and wave a wand, and, you know, here's your, here's your interpretation? 
But they couldn't come up with the meaning. And I love how Joseph responds in, in verse 25. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. God has shown you what he is about to do. Imagine if one of our world leaders had a dream today and asked us for an interpretation. And we went and said, Prime Minister Trudeau, God has shown you what he is about to do. Or President Biden, or President Putin, God has shown you what he's about to do. Oh, the room just got quiet. (laughs) But I've wondered in this moment, as Joseph was standing there, and Pharaoh, the king over all of Egypt, is communicating, when did the meaning hit Joseph, the interpretation? (laughs) Was it as Pharaoh was unloading it? And God was saying, hey, here's what the seven means, and here's what the cows, and here's what the grain, and is that when it happened? Or was it at the end, and Joseph's like, just, oh, Lord, give me something. Like, what am I going to respond with in this moment? And then Pharaoh says, so, we don't know when the interpretation, but it landed with Joseph, and he opened his mouth, and he began to say it. Joseph was positioned in that moment to speak out what God had purposed for Pharaoh to know. That there was going to be seven years of abundant harvests and crops. It's going to be plentiful for seven years. And then there's coming seven years of famine and drought. That's what God wanted Pharaoh to know was happening. And then Joseph steps in very boldly, and he goes a little bit further than the interpretation, and he gives the plan. And he says, Pharaoh, here's what you should do. And I say that Joseph was bold in delivering God's plan because he wasn't asked for the plan. He was just asked for the interpretation. And he spoke out and he said, Pharaoh should appoint, after explaining the seven years and the seven years, then Joseph said, Pharaoh should appoint a wise and discerning man to put in charge during this season. And you will need to appoint commissioners over all the land because they are to take a fifth of 5% of all that's harvested and store that up for the seven years when there is famine. I want you to see these verses. The, The verses of the interpretation are in chapter 41, verse 25 through 32. And then in verses 33 through 36, the plan is unfolded. When you see that God gives dreams, and he gives the interpretation of the dream, and then he unpacks the plan for the dream that is going to be to affect the people who lived in this world, what does that say to you about this God and how he works in our world? If God is still given dreams today, do you think God can still give interpretations? Do you believe God can still give plans for the mess and the brokenness of this world today? Good, because I truly believe it, because it's the same God that spoke to Joseph, still speaks to us today. So after Joseph gives the plan, here's what you should do, Pharaoh. Like in his boldness, he advises Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh responds in verse 39 with moving Joseph to a new position. And he actually responds to Joseph and he says, 
I believe you should be this man. You should be this man that you have just spoken about. Joseph said, uh, we read in verse 39, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and as wise as you. You shall be in charge of all my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Whoa. Joseph is being brought into a new position. He is getting ready to experience something in the palace that I don't know if he ever envisioned going there. But he's being brought to a whole new position. And I believe in the, these moments that <coughs> Joseph was showing up a lot different than when he was 17 years old wearing the coat of many colors. I believe a whole lot of maturing and humility has settled into the character of Joseph. We heard Pastor Nathan talk about those detours and delays and demotions, what that shaped, how that shaped Joseph's character for this moment when God could position him somewhere that he wasn't going to be ruined by where he was positioned. But how would you, rhetorically asking, how would you have responded if you had been lifted out of the prison and set in the palace? <laughs> Again, rhetorically, I don't, don't want you to embarrass yourself this morning, but any one of us could respond with, well, finally, somebody sees that really what I could do, right? Like, finally, somebody sees and gives me the credit that I deserve. Or finally, I get some justice because I was falsely accused and put in that prison, and now I'm going to speak out about it and tell the world how cruelly I was treated. We're human enough to admit our minds could go there, right? That we could be looking for our own justification or looking to be rewarded for all the hardship we've gone through. It's time for us to live happily ever after because of what we've suffered down there. But we don't see that in Joseph. I believe Joseph was postured for a position rather than looking to the palace. He wasn't looking to say, how can I get in there? Because that's where the rich and wealthy live. That's where life is easy. That wasn't on Joseph's mind. His mind was, how do I get postured so God can position me so he can use me how he wants to? Where would your focus be? Because we know that when our salary isn't as high as we'd like it, we're looking for ways to, how can I get a better salary? When our benefit package just isn't as good as their benefit package, well, then I should be advocating to my boss to get my benefit package increased. We easily can go with what's in the deal for me. And friends, I don't see this in Joseph's attitude. By this stage of his life, he's saying, God, what is in it for your people? What is it you are wanting to do? If you had been positioned like Joseph, would you have gone back looking for Potiphar's wife to rub it in her face <laughs> and say, look, now you're below me. Now I'm second in all of Egypt. Joseph didn't. Would you have remembered the captain of the guard that treated you with favor and respect? Would you have remembered your cellmates if this were you? We can easily get consumed with what's in it for me. 
And I say, God, thank you that you've shown us that you can grow our character like you did Joseph's. So our focus is in on what's in it for you, God, rather than being focused on ourselves. Where was Joseph's focus? Where would your focus be in these moments? When you were set up with what the world would say is a promotion, but you know, oh, this isn't about me. This is about God positioning me for what he is going to do next. Can I encourage you, even if you've read these chapters, to today, this weekend, go back and read chapter 41. Review it again. Just read it again and let it sink in deeper. Let the Holy Spirit bring things out of the the Word of God that He will make alive in you because you will begin to see things that are new and fresh in different ways. This week while I was reading it, I read verse 49. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Can you picture that? When I read that verse, the words beyond measure jumped in my mind, and I jumped quickly to Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And I thought, oh my goodness, it's the same God. The same God that did beyond measure with Joseph is the same God speaking to Paul in the Ephesians, saying, I can do immeasurably more than you can think or imagine. Koinonia, do you know it's the same God that you come to praise and worship and, and lift up and glorify together? It's the same God. Oh man, I'm moving with God. But not only did Joseph store up so much food in this time, he was blessed with a wife and two sons. His life was beginning to experience more of what God had had planned for him. The seven years of famine did come, but they were ready for it because God had given Joseph the wisdom. And so when the seven years of famine came, all the earth, you can read it, All the earth, the lands of the countries came to buy grain from Egypt because God had a plan. You can read that even Joseph's family came to Egypt because they lived up in the north in Canaan and it was famine there. They had to move from their home country to come and find what God had planned for them. When Jacob, Joseph's father, learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, what are you waiting for? And we're about to experience more of the story of Joseph, but that's going to come on a future Sunday. Joseph was postured for such a time as this. Have you ever heard that phrase? Has God ever positioned somebody else for such a time as this? Then God can position you for such a time as now that he wants to speak through you. But if your thoughts are jumbled this morning, you're hearing me talk about Joseph, his character is hard, and you're like, I want to be there, but if I were to be quite honest, I I, I want the luxury of the palace. (laughs) I want to be taken care of because I've experienced hardship. I've been through too many demotions. I just want to savor this promotion. If you're feeling a bit of that tension, I want you to know that's normal. (laughs) That's human of us to wrestle with that. 
But I encourage you this morning as to, in asking is, where is your focus? If your focus is on the palace, it's not going to be as glittery if, if you were to arrive there as you're dreaming it is. If your focus is on being postured for God to position you, then you're up, setting yourself up for some excitement of what God will do. If all you want is a promotion, you could get it, and it will fizzle out, and it'll leave your pockets still as empty as before. But if you come to God and say, but God, I want you and your purposes to be fulfilled in me, then you're really going to be set up to experience fulfillment in life. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you're looking for a title, you've misplaced your focus. I encourage you to look at trusting God and see what God will do with where you are. He can trust you with his purposes when you posture yourself to be ready to be positioned by God. I don't think Joseph was focused on the palace. <laughs> Joseph was focused on today. Or as Pastor Nathan said last week, he was, he was focused to be present right where he was in that moment. Because that's how he didn't miss God. He heard God. And God spoke through him. So then what does it look like to kind of prepare and get ready like Joseph? We've been highlighting through these messages the parallel to Jesus. You can see what's happening in Joseph. You can see a parallel that's happening in Jesus. Let me read one verse here in 41 again, chapter 41. It's verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Hmm. How old was Jesus when he started in the fullness of his ministry? He was 30 years old. Luke 3, verse 23. There's so many awesome parallels between Joseph and Jesus. Let me highlight a couple of them. Joseph was falsely accused. Jesus was falsely accused. Joseph flourished even though he was in a foreign land. Jesus said, this, this is not my home. This is not my long-lasting place. But Jesus flourished here on this earth. Joseph was getting ready for the opportunity to be used in the redemptive plan of God. The upcoming chapters here are going to talk about how God restored Joseph's family to him. Jesus came to earth to be used in God's redemptive plan. The parallels are so encouraging for us to look at and say, wow, God, your good news is unfolded all down through time. Thank you, God, that you had a plan. And your plan is still being unfolded. You see, friends, as we look at Joseph in the dreams, by this point in his life, he was ready to dream God's dreams. This wasn't about, how can I get my dreams fulfilled? <laughs> that might have been in some of his immature years. Hey, everybody, brothers, listen to me. I had a dream. That was when he was a lot younger. God's done some growing in his heart and his character and attitude. And now he's ready to dream God's dreams. If you carry on your reading into chapter 42, you're going to get to verse 9. And that's when his brothers show up and, and they're looking for food, for grain. And when they stand before him, we read that then Joseph remembered 
the dreams from when he was in the youth. It hit him again. Oh my goodness. Is this part of God's dream? Is this why he's positioned me here? We're going to get into that in a future week. My encouragement as I ask you, where is your focus? Is I encourage you to keep focused on living out God's dreams. Because each time you do, it will position you. It will, your posture will be ready to be positioned where God wants to place you. So you say, Brian, but how do we do that? I've had dreams and I've lost the meanings and I thought I'm ready like Joseph was ready. How do I do this? Well, in the context of this morning's word and message, I would encourage you just to look, to look, uh, to learn from Joseph, but look at Jesus. Learn from Joseph, but keep your eyes looking at Jesus. What did Jesus do as he was walking out the dreams of the Father? He said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus' focus was not on himself. <laughs> That's not a surprise. I probably don't even have to say that. But in order to compare it to Joseph, in order for it to sink into our hearts, is look at Joseph, but learn from Jesus. Jesus said, not my will, Father, but yours be done. His focus was on the Father. Jesus said, I'm about the Father's business, not my own business. I'm not telling people to mind their own business. I want to be about the Father's business. And I love this concept of, of focusing on what the Father's business was. We are often encouraged here to leave a legacy behind. Leave a legacy so people will know what we've done. But, but if I leave a legacy and you guys, after I'm gone, say, well, I'll look at what Brian did, then the focus is on, on Brian. The legacy we should leave is always be to, to focus on the Father. Be about your father's business, and that'll be the legacy that you leave behind. The footprint that you leave behind will be pointing toward heaven. And then the third way to, to learn from Joseph, but look at Jesus, is just, just talk to Jesus. <laughs> just talk to God. Talk to the Father in the name of the Son, knowing that the Holy Spirit is present with you. And say, Father... I want to be postured so you can position me to fulfill your dreams. God, I've been pursuing my dreams through my education, through my career track, through how my family is and how I'm trying to raise my kids. I'm, I've been doing it so my dreams could come true. Can I encourage you to take a hold of your dreams and submit them back to God and say, oh God, ah. I've got some good dreams, but I want to make sure my dreams are great dreams. I want them to be your dreams. Because you can do so much more through a dream than I can. So as you learn from Joseph, but look to Jesus, just keep talking to Jesus. Father, speak to me. Reveal your plans. Because I do believe God has dreams he still wants to fulfill. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, 
we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.